This episode contains a brief discussion of attempted suicide. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Now that there is a countdown timer to recording, everybody is always like, I'm going to stop my bit that I'm in the middle of and comment on the counter rather than like continuing with the bit. So it's really frustrating these days to try and actually catch you guys in the middle of a good bit instead of like being able to surprise you. But you're, you're essentially complaining that you cannot like you did before catch us in the middle of admitting something extremely, extremely awkward that then you will edit in as you want. We Mm -hmm. do plenty of that on the podcast itself. Yeah. I I don't know why you're so fucking worried about it. You've been doing this for three years, embarrassing the hell out of yourself. (laughs) What more is there to reveal for the fellas? You know what I mean? It's like, I leave it all out on the court in the podcast. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have some reason to still be my friend outside of the podcast. So (laughs) it's the exclusive content that you get when you're not listening to this. To the listeners who, you know, just clocked in here, we we did have several good bits before this. So many good I think bits. They are lost to time. Yeah, are, I mean, this episode's uh, probably going to suck, but that's only because we did all of our good bits before, yeah. and we just ran through them. So there was a really, really great episode. Uh, it just happened before we started recording. So just keep that in mind. A little disclaimer for the rest of this episode. Put a big old asterisk. Right. And Jason, underneath that, that down. underneath that big old asterisk. Uh, is the phrase, thank you very much for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema or at Trilon.org. My name is Jason Daphnis. I am a fierce fellow, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Uh, sometimes I look cheerful and attractive. Other times I seem sullen and mild. I'm Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Most people like to boast about such things and exaggerate, but not me, because I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. And I'm Aaron, uh, but you can call me Capitan, and you can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. Uh, I will update to Capitan's uh, patented summary. Uh, today's discussion focuses on the first film playing in the Trilon's uh, February 2022 series that is Elegy for a Master Late Kurosawa, covering the late career of legendary filmmaker Akira Kurosawa. Uh, you have heard us talk about uh, Kurosawa's movies several episodes of this podcast, um, including like some of the first, I think in the first dozen or so, we, we covered a bunch of uh, Kurosawa's mid-career yeah. and some of his better-known films. So go back and listen to those if you're interested in this conversation. Um, or uh, And or you should go to the trilon.org or just follow the link in the episode notes uh for actual links to tickets to buy movies uh that are continuing to play in this series um with that uh aaron you need to tell us what you're going to tell us about the actual movie yeah we are talking about the 1975 film dersu uzala uh it is directed uh, as mentioned by akira kurosawa it is based on the 1923 memoir of the same name uh by russian explorer vladimir arseniev uh, it is starring uh, Maxim uh, Munzuk as Dersu Uzala, 
uh, also Yuri Solomon as uh, uh, Arseniev. Uh, it follows Arseniev, who is a, a topographer who is kind of mapping out a specific region, the, the uh, Shkodovo region, um, with a group of other Russians in 1902. Uh, and he runs into a Goldie hunter, uh, trapper, man of the woods extraordinaire uh, named Dersu Uzala. Uh, Dersu agrees to help the Russians navigate around the area. Um, and the group takes uh, uh, Tim quite well, actually, as he is, he is kind, he is intelligent, and he shows this, like, almost unbelievable expertise at anything having to do with the wilderness. Um, Arseniev has many interactions with Dersu over the years, and uh, Dersu teaches uh, Arseniev and his gang a lot about life and uh, uh, how to treat uh, uh, the wilderness and whatnot. Um, Dersu himself also faces his own issues as he grows older. Uh, the film was made after a, a very tumultuous period in Kurosawa's life uh, and career um, that started with uh, his doomed contributions to the 1970 film Tora, Tora, Tora. Uh, and continued uh, uh, with a number of years in which Kurosawa had immense, like immense trouble getting his films uh, financed, um, uh, specifically through like Japanese production companies. Um, after the failure, uh, financial failure specifically of his 1970 film, uh, Dodeska Den, uh, Kurosawa was driven into a deep depression that culminated in uh, an unsuccessful uh, suicide attempt in 1971. Two years later, in 1973, he was approached by a uh, Soviet film studio, uh, Moss Film, um, and he agreed to create an adaptation of Arseniev's uh, uh, memoir, as it had been a pet project of his for over uh, four decades at that point. Um, although uh, this film's reception in Japan wasn't anything to write too home about, um, it was very, very well received abroad. It, it did very well financially. Um, it ended up winning the Academy Award uh, for Best Foreign Language Film as well as the Golden Prize at the Moscow International Film Festival. Uh, Jason, what did you think? Thank you, Capitan. Um, I really thought very positively of this movie. I didn't get the chance to watch it at the trial-on, or rather I reneged my opportunity to see it at the trial-on. But I was really... Even just watching it at home, the print that I was able to watch, um, like, had this weird flickery color to the film that didn't bother... Like, it should have bothered... Yeah. So Harry and I watched the same copy. The, it should have bothered me a lot more than it did, but like there, it is just such like full of warm color at the midway point. It switches to like a very, um, uh, spring, very verdant, beautiful open landscapes style. But the first half is, is uh, sort of covered by autumn and snow. Uh, both are really, really beautiful. Uh, and I should say like, I know that the 35 millimeter print that played at the trial on must have been a different experience. I will ask you about that, Cody. But just watching this movie, even like the shitty ish print I was able to to secure of it is just beautiful. It is it it, it like like excuse me, uh, Capitan was saying earlier, it's very like it feels long at times. Um, it doesn't feel like it drags like but you do recognize like mainly because there is a like an intermission, a literal like part one, part two intermission to this movie um, that it does like feel its length at times. Uh, I, I felt, I guess it's the first time I've watched Kurosawa in a long time, probably since around the last time we covered this, uh, covered any of his movies in 2019, that would have been. Um, But it has a lot of those same hallmarks of his, of his work and style, a very humanitarian bent, a very like empathetic uh, just view of different people from different walks of life and different, uh, you know, life, uh, I guess, philosophies, finding some midway ground, each teaching the other, another thing, but intersected with these gigantic shots of nature and like a very textual relationship with like, I think the captain refers to it like that man is just too small to 
compete with the vastness of nature or something like that. One of those lines that makes you think, oh, like he recognizes his place in the universe. He recognizes that he re- can't really contend even as a topographical uh, military envoy. Like they, they can't, they can't handle this alone. Um, and I really like that framing of the main band of Russian soldiers as, um, topographical surveyors because it does give us an excuse to just see the world around them a lot and to sort of like see Dursu Uzala when he first meets the the crew as an element of that rather than like as a fellow traveler or as a hunter or whatever you start to like personify him as part of the the wilderness as part of the forest uh, you know i think it's an intentional like slight othering to begin with but very quickly undercut by the fact that he's actually like he's pretty fluent in their language he's able to talk to them he's able to joke he's able to like really get along um and i think that the movie not so slowly builds to that whole person of dursu uzala um and it, it does a like a lot of really it almost would be i guess it almost would be boring if it weren't so like kurosawa and like kind to how they build that character how they build dursu uzala himself and it's that um kindness i think uh uh aaron you were talking about like uh how they build him to how they how he is revealed to be like a kind uh patient understanding just very like very knowledgeable person of of the wilderness uh that's exactly what makes it such a tragic movie i mean like spoiler alert but at the end dursu uzala dies as a result of the captain having given him um a brand new rifle that he is presumably killed for uh and the movie starts like the opening scene is him trying to find the grave some years later of where deucer zala was was interred um but like over the course of that because of like because he's introduced as such a a a personable kind uh you know not flawless character there's a whole lot of in the second half, it's shown like that the conflict comes in of like whether or not he can truly exist whether or not like these two worlds of and I'm getting to my larger point, but like, like by the end, it's very, it's, it's got that very tragic tone because it's like the whole movie to me anyway, the thing that I was able to pull through, um, like the through line was, uh, that it's, it's like the folly of man, both sides, both like the, um, more in touch with nature, uh, uh, like indigenous people's side and the more, um, I, I guess like european settler colonist mindset of like these two worlds are going to have a very hard time if like i think both of them come to understand that it is impossible to have something like an organized society and to live in perfect harmony with nature like um Dursu Uzala, uh, like in the second half, he has a moment where he shoots unintentionally at a tiger, at Amba, a tiger, and thinks that the gods are cursing him for it, that he's going to be like taken by the wilderness, that he's like grown, that he's grown incompatible with his world because of, uh, you know, age and time and because of his offenses against, you know, the, the spirit of the wilderness, essentially. Uh, and because of that, the captain finally decides it's his turn to give back, decides to welcome him into the town, give him a home to live in. And it turns out that he can't really like exist there either. Um, I think it's just like when we, when we zoom in on that central conflict, that central tragedy of that, there's no place to belong for this person once he reaches a certain age. And that there's like no way that they, that these two worlds could have really come into uh, full harmony, I guess that is like the, the meat and bones of the Kurosawa-ness of it all to me, um, is that, uh, like we talked a lot on, uh, our episodes about seven samurai and Yojimbo and uh, Redbeard and stuff that the passing of time just naturally changes the people that it brings. And that, you know, where is the place for these people once time sort of moves past them. And it's not that time that like modernity has pushed out the existence of a 
person like Dursu Uzala, it is more that uh, the two worlds just never were compatible to begin with. That like uh, that there's no compromise. There's there's no middle point. You can give the man a brand new rifle so that he can exist later in his years in the wind in the, in the wilderness, and he will still be undone by it. He will still meet his end somehow. Uh, that is probably way too broad and vague a read of the movie, but this movie really, I think, does exist in those larger, like, it gives you a lot of time to think about the themes that it's playing with rather than, like, seeing them on the face. There are a couple times where they do become the script, but, like, that whole sequence near the end of the first half where they're trying to cross a frozen lake and they're just scrambling to survive and the camera goes wild with really tight shots that it didn't do before that I think it just tries more to put you in that space rather than tell you what it's doing or what it's about. That's only my read of it though. We have three other people to talk about this movie and one of them actually got to see it at the Trilon on 35 millimeter. Uh, Cody, tell me about what that was like. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Um, yeah, I am not the most, uh, I, I don't know when it comes to like prints and, and medium, um, and like talking about like the specifics of how shit looks. Um, I, I can't really say much other than, it looked really fucking beautiful. Um, so like, I, I guess I can just focus on that. Um, but yeah, John, um, from his lips, you know, he spent a lot of time and effort to, to dig this print up. And this is by and large, probably the only, you know, print of this, at least in the United States. Um, so that, well, by the time you're hearing this, it'll already be too late to see it. But for those of you who got to see it, you were really in for a nice treat. It was um, pretty well preserved from what I could tell. Like it was, you know, not um, like worn to the point where you like are thinking at various points, like, oh, wow, this is like, I'm, oh yeah, I'm watching this on film because I can really see where it's been used over the years. Like there was enough texture to not, uh, or there's enough texture to sort of like add just that texture to the viewing experience, which looked really nice amongst all the, like the, you know, the high, highly contrasted oranges and, um, you know, whites and blues that you're seeing on, on the film itself, but not enough, not too much texture to sort of like derail that experience. Um, so that was really, really awesome to see. Um, this was my first time seeing Dersu Uzala. Um, and it was, if I did my letterbox, uh, investigating correctly, I think this is my second Kurosawa after Ikiru that did not have Dishiro Meifune in it. Um, so that is something question mark. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did intentionally didn't do a whole, uh, bunch of research or, or like even just seeing which of my friends have seen it and what they thought about it. I didn't do a, a lot of that in advance of going to the trial and to watch this movie. Um, I was just kind of generally preparing for something. Well, I, I did look at the wrong time, so I was <laughs> mentally prepared for that. And maybe something ambiguously dense as Kurosawa can be um, every now and again, but uh, it's a relationship or it's a movie about the relationship between two dudes and it rules. Um, I, I probably use the word meditation um, maybe a little too often, but, you know, thinking about this movie, given that a lot of the, almost two and a half hours of it is, um, you know, it's a showcasing of these expeditions in the wilderness. I just talked about how, um, how beautiful the movie is and how beautiful this print was. And so that definitely played a part. It really does feel something of, a, you know, um, uh, speaking of, of what Jason was talking about, the sort of periods of, of slowness um, there, and, you know, we're, we're looking at all these, these beautiful places. It does feel like something of a meditation on friendship on, uh, or maybe reverence is a, a better word. You know, it's uh, the reverence for nature, for one another, for the idea of interpersonal relationships in general, perhaps. And, you know, as frequently as they are displayed and, uh, you know, that 
I, I'll admit that I did find them to be dry, a little dry sometimes, mostly near the beginning as, as we were sort of still on that, um, that on-ramp and I was waiting for my caffeine to kick in, you know, I'm only human, you know, what, what can you do? Um, but you know, uh, with, with all of those, um, displays of, you know, the outdoors, the wilderness, it, it, it does, I think eventually come to feel like the ebbs and flows of the weather and the landscape that we're seeing do accurately, you know, reflect the minute cadence of a, a friendship or a relationship. Um, you know, the, uh, the, and Dersu pointing out areas of the, um, the landscape that the others overlook is kind of like, you know, what a, a friendship does to a person, right? You know, it's bringing in alternative ideas and feelings and viewpoints to enhance your journey through the wilderness of life. See what I'm doing? Um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, theoretically, we're all a little bit better for it. Um, eventually, at the end of one of Dersu's, well, fi his final day, he does get something from his friend that ends up um, being to his detriment. Maybe some there is something to that. Maybe there's not. Um, but, you know, uh, thinking about the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of this movie, the the rest of the world may not see it or understand it or um, remember it in the same way that we do, but, you know, we'll remember it or, you know, that person will remember that relationship. And that's beautiful. I think that's, it's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful thing. Um, quick, uh, other comments about my, uh, experiencing this at the trial on, um, because I, for some reason, I felt like doing a full audit of the trailers would be, uh, uh, fun content. Oh, hell for yes. Who, oh my God. For, yeah. So for, for the people who weren't there, um, they, they do the, uh, the nice little, trailers for um the uh, like the full series instead of one movie it's like this is the trailer um for example for the carol reed series and those like compilation trailers are always really really cool so they had one of those there was a trailer for um for the coneheads out there uh there was a trailer for tokyo godfathers which gauging audience reaction had I should have known. Um, gauge, uh, good thing you put it then, because gauging audience reaction, uh, it didn't seem like a lot of people knew what Tokyo Godfathers was. There were a few scattered laughs. Um, people will be educated here in the coming weeks. Or yeah, coming I see months, that. Don't you worry. Um, and then the final, uh, it was another series compilation trailer uh, for for one for one Godzilla and and pals. Um, which uh, did you get have a? a I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, it's, I'll, I'll wrap this up. Sorry. It, it did get a few audible um, cheers and and claps, which was confusing to me because I thought Harry couldn't make it last night. Um, which uh, no, and um, there was it was like a two minute trailer for the first minute or so. The the woman sitting directly in front of me was I could hear her chuckling and shaking her head and saying so, saying something. And in, in my mind, uh, I it was her saying that Harry Mackin, that son of a bitch, he done it again. Um, <laughs> But uh, she. But uh, all, all that is to say, um, trailers are cool and good, and you should uh, go to the trial and if you feel safe to do so. For now, though, I, I really just um, yeah, I, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta jump off this raft. Um, Harry, you're on this raft with me. Why don't you stay on a little bit longer? I actually see a, a microphone dangling uh, a little bit there, so you could you can leap onto that while you're hanging out you can kind of give your takes about the movie um but i'll i'll see you later good luck yeah it's just imagine i'm sort of perched in the middle of a stream uh looking much like a bear uh sort of with my arms wrapped around this microphone um thank you cody for that great introduction um after hearing about the trailers i'm doubly um 
depressed that I missed this movie. It was one of those things where it was sold out and I was like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to sit in a full uh, theater with Omicron happening and all that. Um, but uh, I'm maybe always going to regret it because um, just to get, you know, superlatives out of the way, I don't know exactly where this stacks up for you guys. Um, this is like absolutely God tier Kurosawa for me. This is like probably not my favorite Kurosawa, but it's in the conversation, maybe like top three, mm-hmm. top five. Um, it turns out that guy is not um, overrated, huh? He is a um, quite a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, I, I really like what both Jason and Cody got into because that's very similar to the sort of like, I, I think a synthesis of those two points is kind of where I landed with this, which is that, um, first of all, particularly in the first part, um, the way that um, Dursu's life philosophy and the philosophy of his people um, is illustrated to you so subtly and primarily through visual motif and through the... Um, metaphorical sort of even allegorical relationship between he and uh the capitan is so moving to me i mean like it's dursu is teaching these people a little bit about how he sees life just by being with them by being among them and communicating with them and by that same process formally visually we are being imparted with that understanding i mean dursu says something about like fire are people wind is people water is people all of these things are alive in this place and they're all something that we are in conversation with in communication with and a part of and just by giving us that little bit of understanding and then seeing how dursu interacts with the people around him and then seeing the world itself through the the camera lens we come to a um mirrored relationship with the environment that these men do it's like we're really learning from and being imparted with Dursu's wisdom in real time and that's like an unbelievably moving um evocative formal accomplishment that this movie um pulls off you know it's like jason and i talked about like i think i have a list of like two dozen specific shots that i wanted to talk about because it's like this movie is just so beautiful and it's rip, beautiful rip both them out. In the, um, the first one I took note of was, uh, after the rain, when they were stepping out of their little lean to, uh, um, a rainbow appears over the lean to that was really beautiful. Uh, we talked about the sun. Um, Dursu explains the sun at one point. It's really funny. That's a really great scene. And then the sun becomes this sort of pre- prevalent motif throughout the movie. It's just this like red overpowering, beautiful thing that is like transforming the environment in the way that we see the environment. Um, and it's, it's omnipresent, right? And it's so much bigger than them. And eventually it's reflected in like tiger fur and it's reflected in the environment in all of these beautiful ways. Um, and in the water, um, the tundra on the lake when they're just standing there together and it's so desolate. And, um, the Capitan actually literally says, um, the very silence seemed in a way menacing. And then we get that silence. We get to hear it. We get to hear nothing but the wind and it's so it's so brilliant it's like it's there there's so little dialogue in this movie relatively speaking but what dialogue is there is so perfectly anchored to get you to understand the visuals that are occurring um but all of that is to say that this is a movie about nature but i think the kurosawa-ness if we can speak to that um is so is so beyond that and into sort of like how this contextualization and understanding of human beings as they coexist in nature and with their environment and in time, how that informs and 
um, guides our relationship to each other and our relationship to other people. Um, and the way that Dursu values the people he comes into contact with and is valued in return as this sort of like, you have this relationship with the world, right? But it's not a relationship that is reciprocal. It's not really a relationship that, that you can communicate with. It's very much one way. It's, it's your appreciation. And so when these men have this opportunity to appreciate each other, to understand that they are sharing an experience in the world, it becomes so clearly valuable to them. And, and so there's such camaraderie and just the, the like essential humanity that these people share when they, when they greet each other in the wilderness, right? It's like, finally, I have this person who is reciprocating this understanding with me. And it's, it's like such a beautiful examination of what human friendship is in the sort of like existential, um, essential qualities of, what being a person feels like, right? And then to to do all of that and to give us this amazing relationship that these two men explore throughout this movie, and then to explore the ways in which it's impossible to maintain that sort of like other aspect of humanity, right? Is that these things are all fading. And it's it's really interesting because like I think that we we made jokes about this, right? But like I think that there is a reading of this movie that is sort of wagging its finger at modernity and at the idea of civilization encroaching on lands. But that wasn't necessarily the takeaway for me. This was much more um what's the what's the word like elagic? Um it's it's about like the end of something and about how that ending is not really something that you can control or prevent, but it is it is terribly sad, right? It's like Dursu Uzala is already the last of his kind. He was his family was wiped out by smallpox that were probably carried there by settlers, right? By by people who were encroaching on the region. Um, and he is himself becoming old and this way of life and his understanding of the world is fading. And there's this sense in which like, as Dursu Usala's understanding is fading, like that is literally what we're watching, right? Like our visual way into this movie metaphorically is that understanding and the beauty that Usala's understanding is imbuing the world with. And that's something that's going away. And it's something that really can't be maintained in a civilization, right? It, just because like Jason had said, like when you have a, a civilization, when you have a village, um, you just naturally different things emerge where you can't have the relationship with the wilderness that you used to be able to have. You can have different relationships. You can live in different ways. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, right? I think that this movie does a really incredible job of illustrating that, right? Like there's nothing wrong with the Capitan's means of understanding life, except that it is naturally something that is always going to be different and that is going to create this sort of division between he and Dursu Uzala, just like the division that exists between all people in spite of our sort of like natural understanding of one another. And it, it illustrates all of this. There's such an incredible depth and profundity to this movie and tenderness without really explicitly calling out any of it, right? It's like, this isn't a movie that's going to hold your hand and walk you through the themes. It's just a movie that you feel. And you feel it by watching Dursu Uzala develop this friendship with his friend, the captain, and understand how that friendship is both so fundamentally built on this shared trust and shared understanding of what they have in common, how they're both two men sort of poised within and against the um, wilderness and... uh cooperating with one another and that there is so much that separates these two men that they can never really have this shared equitable understanding and that both of those things are sort of like like mutually complementary and the only way that it's possible to interact with other people there's something about that that is so 
fundamentally true. This this movie really just spoke to me as something that is like deeply felt and true about the human experience and um and about like how we can relate to each other and about how we live in the world and i just think it was like it was just remarkable i mean we're so lucky that kurosawa didn't successfully commit suicide right because it's like he had a movie like this in him still it's it's amazing to think that after a career he still had this going for him and it's easy for me to see why this was something that had captivated him throughout his career. I think it's like one of the most mature and realized manifestations of his entire philosophy about understanding what it is to be human and understanding how that understanding can give you an empathy for the world and people um, themselves. And so it was just really, I in my mind, really remarkable. I think some of the most moving um, moments I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, Dursu Usala calls... Uh, calls the captain's kid little captain. It's like, come on. <laughs> like, I have a heart. That's that's just, ooh. It really but, is uh, unfair. I, Holy shit. Yeah. I've gone on long enough. I'm uh, I'm going to pass this brand new rifle. Uh, really good sights, so you can see through it just fine. Um, no! To you, Aaron. No! So even though you can't see as well as you Not used again. to be able to, I think you're going to be just fine in the wilderness. Here you go. And now it's your turn, my friend. Uh, head, on, head on out there. Oh, thank you. This can only lead to good things. Thank you, my friend Harry, uh, and little little Harry too. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I you know I, I got to be on. I got to. Uh, this is going to come off like kind of a bummer after after Harry's uh, uh, you know uh, uh, very very uh, uh, well backed up. I think uh, a praise for the film. I I am just like generally not. I think a fan of this kind of film. To be honest. Um, I mean, you get you can you can ask my wife every time she tries to get me to go camping or hiking. Like I am generally not an outdoorsy person, uh, I, and and things that are very outdoorsy by nature are often not that interesting to me. So let's call it a, a personal uh, character flaw here. Um, but but I, I did I did still quite enjoy this movie and, and found some stuff to connect to. Uh, but it was kind of. Had to, I had to work for it a little bit. I think that the the main thing that I connected with, as already been mentioned a little bit, was kind of this this uh, this absolute bromance going on with the the two leads in the film. Um, every time they would like reconnect and they just like hug it out, you know. Yeah, I know it makes you. Uh, oh man, that you, you know that, that first what a time good friendship after Dursu builds the fort on the lake and they both survive and he they just realize they've been found by their troop again and they just tumble over each other embracing. Oh my god! Or when they're reunited yes. after the five years away and like yeah. he the <laughs> captain hears that there's a guy out in the woods and he he like, like goes, goes running, running and he's like you can almost hear him being like Dursu Dursu where are you? He doesn't quite but then like there's this shot right where like he thinks he's just about to give up basically and then. Uh, Dursu is framed in like a cross section of a tree so that he comes into the picture and you can just see him like highlighted and it's like oh my god I was like cheering right he was like fully like let's fucking go it's like the friend we're back we're in it <laughs> the boys are back in town um, yeah I and I think especially uh, I think both the leads do a really good job but I think uh, Moonzook in particular is like very very good in this film um, I also I you know I think that there is a a uh, to be expected, but still quite uh, a wonderful uh, humanism in this film. It is similar to what you'll find in, I mean, I, I, Redbeard, for example, uh, but Yojimbo as well, Seven Samurai. I think lots of great Kurosawa films have this this kind of humanism kind of running through them uh, that that I, I like quite a bit. Um, I also thought quite a bit about The Old Man and the Sea while watching this. Um, I think that that is uh, generally... 
a book that people go back to uh, or they remember the the kind of the Christian symbolism. I think probably because it's like, at least for me, it was like baby's first symbolism in middle school. Uh, but like the, the main thing that I come back to after all these years in that book is the idea of like old people specifically uh, due to the kind of the gendered nature of the society represented there, old men, right, who, who use their body, their physical being uh, and what happens to them and how they're treated when their body is no longer able to provide for them, right, in the same manner that they used to, right? I think Old Man and Sea is a bit more about a society not being able to care for these people, uh, whereas is this film is about somebody whose who's kind of whole life and way of living relies on these you know, his, his, his physical being, um, and, and how he is kind of forced to adopt this, this inauthentic or this, uh, this way of life that he doesn't agree with and doesn't gel with him due to, due to his physical, uh, you know, capacities kind of failing. And I, I find that very, I think maybe it's just my own, uh, personal fear of death and aging in the end. Uh, but I, I connected with that quite a bit. Um, and I don't know. So I, I, I think there was a lot there. I just like, I, I just don't really connect with, the nature stuff uh, in this film, unfortunately, but I think there is still like that, that really like kind of beautiful moving perspective of the film that, that Harry and, and everybody else touched on that I, I connected with quite a bit. So um, I liked it. Also, he's like a, you're basically just watching like a, like a nature Sherlock Holmes for like, <laughs> for like two and a half <laughs> hours where you just like the every, every time he's just like, uh, Oh, a, a, a wolf went through here and they're like, Darasu, how how could you possibly know that a wolf came through here? And he's like, wolf, wolf cubs step like this, you, yeah, you idiot. He's like, you, oh, a 68-year-old Soviet man had beans for breakfast and slept here last night uh, in nothing but his shorts. And they're like, what What are you talking how about? The, he's like, you can still smell the farts from the beat. Yeah, it's uh, I, a quick side note. My my wife and I are playing a, a board game that is based on Sherlock Holmes, and it is very text-heavy, and it's absolutely just like, that kind of like shit and it's every time it's just like fuck yeah he knew there's a cab pulling up with this guy because this one thing and it's like that that shit kicks ass and this movie is basically like the 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 hunter trapper version of that for about two hours so that that rocks yeah i just quick um talking about like how the movie the movie is framed around a a wilderness version of sherlock holmes um and the, the the fact that the captain is is so like it's it's focused on him watching this guy getting to know this guy and like it beca- it comes to comes to be obviously like a fully formed friendship but like the the film's uh, like the perspective of like occasional narration via like capitan's noties or just like this is my travelogue and now i'm speaking about it uh, and like the it wasn't it didn't like dominate my experience of of the like seeing the movie or anything but like gotta hand it to kurosawa for just like like crafting a, a specific version of like or, of this vision that like it, like it's the captain's perspective but it's also like like recognizing what is important for this journey like i was thoroughly appreciative that we didn't see any dead animals for all the time that they were talking about dead animals it's just like oh the the pit that i'm looking at is like a, there's a live deer in this one and then we're gonna call over to five other pits I'm just like oh bunch of dead animals over here yep bunch of dead animals over here yeah i got some over here too it's like it's a rare case the camera of, doesn't yeah tell the yeah, show ahead. Right. Yeah. Like they, we don't have that, like the camera doesn't peek into them, which like 
I'm like, again, very grateful for, but also like practically it's like the captain's not over there. Why would the camera be over there? And like, why would we go off and like, like, why would we see the, like, we're just talking about these bandits. It's just like, we're hot on the, uh, hot on the trail of these bandits. Just like, Oh, I got like my buddies here. They'll like go take care of the bandits. That's like, it's very explicitly not our purpose here. Like we're just, we're, we're, topographers like this is a very like a specific expedition we care about um like surveying the land and uh <laughs> forging this friendship just like like we're like we're like intersecting with the with, with these bandits and these other like narratives within this forest but just like this specific path we're on is ours and that was just like like a very small thing but something that like really like in a weird way enhanced the the experience for me so i i really just wanted to to call that out no yeah i think that's that actually marries really interestingly against uh, some other thoughts that I had about the movie, because from that perspective of, um, I guess to, to summarize it, the it's just interesting that the captain is the one to say something like in the vastness of nature, you know, man is so small or whatever, because he's, he's a topographer. He's supposed to literally be mastering the land, right? Like he's supposed to be the one figuring this shit out on behalf of the Russian government. Uh, and yet his perspective is such that are changing such uh, after his encounters with Dursu Uzala, such that like, yeah, his perspective does necessarily change around that. There's one particular instance that I really want to focus on as like a manifestation of that, but I see Harry's hand up. Uh, so, uh, uh, Harry, no, do you please have a go ahead. I, I'm really well, interested it's almost in a pivot, So, Oh, I, well, I was just going to say I, that you're really right. And, and it's so funny how that's like presented as almost an irony, right? Because it's like, of course, the captain would say that, right? And it, that's to, to illustrate how he is being changed by Dursu Uzala. And it's so beautiful in that. But it's also like Dursu himself would never say something like that, right? He's like too much right. also still a part of this. It's like something about um, the education of topography or like his his sort of um, mentality as an outsider coming in. It prepares him to... Um, communicate it in that way and to communicate it to us in that way in a way that we can understand but it's still something that is fundamentally the perspective of someone who is outside right i think that mm-hmm. this this um movie does such a great job of illustrating both of those things right where it's like the captain can be fundamentally changed even categorically changed by his relationship with Dursu Uzala but he's never going to be a Dursu Uzala like he will become something else he will become something very different and he will gain a vocabulary for understanding so much that Dursu taught him but he will never have Dursu's vocabulary just like like we will watch this movie and we will come to understand and appreciate this new beauty of of nature and of friendship and of communication but we will never have what they had that's just not it's it's about like you can be changed but you are not changed into them it's like we are affected and we become a, a different third thing by these affectations but we're we're never given exactly the same or or the the same understanding that is imparted to us and there's something like mm-hmm. even more beautiful about that right about how like Dursu Uzala and the captain are changed forever by each other but they don't become each other they still are themselves mm-hmm that's a really interesting way to put it because again, like the specific 
instance that I'm thinking of, and everybody can just chime in with their thoughts on it because it stuck out to me. It's in the first half of the film where Dursu Uzala and the Russian crew are traipsing through the wilderness and they come upon uh, like a hut, a cabin with a Chinese man. And I think the name was, uh, I wrote it down, Li Tsung Ping, I believe, but uh, just a like kind of like haggard, older Chinese man crouching in the woods because, and in bassist terms, his brother cucked him, <laughs> like literally took his wife, I think is the story that Dursu is talking, is, 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 relaying to the to the russians um and the russians learning from their suzala apparently like invite him to their campfire they've been like a little bit single-minded and a little bit um trying to just get through their mission up to this point but uh they, they say hey should we welcome him over should we bring him to to the to the fire and uh Dursu Uzala says no he he needs to think like he's he's going to think a long time and i think the translation that uh that the subtitles i was watching gave me was that he would think of uh, a garden all in flowers and just like sort of meditate on what it is he needs his life where he's going and that wasn't like breaks to me on the on the whole concept of man's relationship to nature but it was like another another wrinkle in it where we've been talking and even in our discussion today we've been talking a lot about how the movie focuses on that relationship about man's relationship to nature and how there's always compromise how there's no perfect unity how like harry was just saying anything that gets communicated changes a person a little bit but doesn't necessarily change doesn't necessarily like completely adopt that understanding all that kind of stuff and yet here's a moment where the main character the title character is like no this man just needs himself just needs to think internally he just needs a solipsistic moment um out of all of this time he not to relate to nature not to relate to his fellow man to relate to himself to think about what he's doing what did what he wants and i wondered if that had any sort of weight or swing for any of the rest of you while watching it or if that was just another scene that passed by Yeah, Anybody. I mean, I I think that there's a really interesting through line here where it's like Dursu Uzala is essentially, I mean, like it. I shouldn't use the, this terminology because this is very much an outsider's terminology, but like by some of our standards, he's a broken man, right? Like he can't be a part of civilization anymore. Like he lost his wife, he lost his children. There is some sense in which that trauma is so definitive in his life and, and still is. I mean, in fact, when he... um he talks about early on how they passed near the place where his wife and children died and it gave him nightmares. And so he had to go there and perform this sort of like ritual offering for them to make sure that they were at peace. Um, that was sort of like um, symbolized also through that, the Chinese guy um, that you're referring to Jason, where there's something about like, this is like healing, right? There, there's some sense in which you can separate yourself and go to the world and sort of like, take in this broader perspective that can like help sort of like set you back on the sort of like track where you can be a part of the world, right? Even if you can't really do it the way you used to. Um, so yeah, I found, I found that scene really beautiful with the the Chinese guy where it was just like, this is a guy who like, who needs to be out here. You know what I mean? It's like, this is, mm-hmm. this is like, this is what it means for him to continue to be human and continue to be a part of the world is to do this thing where he has to go and basically meditate and be by himself. And there's like this space for it. And it really illustrated how well Dursu Uzala's perspective gave him this empathy for this man, right? Because it's like, this man is, is just like the tigers and just like the, the wind in the sense that like, there is this place that he needs, there is this thing he needs to be doing. And like, 
it is it is a part of this larger ecosystem, even if it's not really like obviously uh, contributing to it in a, in a really like beautiful sort of harmonious way. Yeah, that was an idea through through that scene with the sort of one off um, like older gentleman character, and then through the the scene of Dersu Uzala talking through his own like like working through his own shit, you know, like the i the idea of like everything in the wilderness being alive, every like just a calling for like sympathy and empathy for for like everything and like having a sort of I guess I'll use the word reverence again, just like like having a, a sort of reverence, even if you can't like understand everything, like like having enough comp- compassion to just like allow for the space for that to happen, just you know give this guy his own space and time and like eventually he will know what to do and like maybe there's something we can do maybe there's not but like yeah and for for dirt for Dersu to say that and like him talking through his own past traumas like the like this wilderness like this the small uh small ish i mean obviously like this big forest like that's that is his world and like most of these men and most of us are experiencing things in like environments that are much greater than this. So it's like, I, I, I like it as a sort of like something of, again, just like a, a call for like, uh, like empathy, understanding and like just space because like, like we all feel things, every, everything, like a lot of shit that we don't, that we take for granted in this wilderness is alive and like, it's it's feeling things we can't tell that like these things are being felt but they are and just like yeah i don't know that's something that i'm not like articulating super well but i like that that is an idea that is per like permeating through the the floor of this um you know this story that we're shown of largely you know just these these two men i, I thought that was really nice that uh that is beautiful, and it reminds me. I'm gonna tie it back because I'm, I'm a, a little bit of a weeb. Not 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 way too much of one. Don't like call the authorities or anything. But um, it reminds me of a manga I was reading a while ago and an anime that they adapted it into called Golden Kamui. I think I mentioned maybe this to Aaron while I was living with him. Uh, it's about uh, the intersection of, uh, uh, I believe, like Meiji period Japan and the Ainu people uh, of northern Japan uh, near the border, and it's um, very much about like that. Uh, uh, spiritualism and that connection to nature and that sort of personifying of almost everything in the world, how everything has like, uh, like in this movie, it's, it's uh, communicated as Dersu calling things fellows, like fire is like a feisty fellow or whatever. Wind is a, is a fierce fellow, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's just like a, a thread of that running through the movie. And it, it's almost to me, going back to what Harry was saying about, um, you know, communicating those ideas, it's almost like Dursu Azal is packaging those things, those concepts for the Russians to understand, like, hey, these are fellow people, essentially. These are things that you need to respect because they will respect you in return because they've already respected you by allowing you to tread on them kind of thing. That's more amusing than actual point. But um, it, what you were saying, Cody, made me think of that. Yeah, I really liked what you had said um, about empathy and everything as well, Cody. And I, one of the most beautiful manifestations of that in this movie is that in my mind, and, and this, that Chinese scene is actually a really good um, example of this, but it's also about the limits of those things, right? I mean, like the, the last third of this movie is so, is so tragic and so sad because it's like, we know that bringing Dursu Usala into town isn't really the right move or like it's not going to work out and we know that the captain knows that but the captain knows as we know that there's nothing else he can do for Dursu right it's like 
there this is really a movie that is like it it starts out or the the beginning arc it shows how much we can do for each other right and how much we can help and transform each other and and heal each other and and help with all of these things but there's this like breaking point or like there's this transition point where it's like <clears throat> in the end fundamentally all of us are alone right it's like the it's you can't help Dursu Uzala because his relationship with nature and with um, his world is his own, just like the Chinese man's is his own. And like, we can respect that and we can understand that there's something that we're not understanding, but that is such a big part of empathy, right? Is understanding the limits of empathy and understanding like, I will never feel what Dursu Uzala feels, right? It, it's like you had said, there, there's something is lost in the in the translation, right? Where he refers to these, these personified elements as like fellows or peoples or whatever. But there is this sense in which like that is a transliteration of what Dursu means into the Russian language for Hmm. the benefit of these people. It's like Dursu doesn't think of these things as these sort of like abstract personifications. He has a relationship with them that is sort of like different and maybe even beyond language, right? Or beyond his ability to describe. And, the big part of of all people is is indescribable in that similar sense right it's like you can't describe how you perceive the world you can't even sort of register how you perceive the world you can only register the the changes that are imparted to you by other people and therefore there is this hard um limit on our communicative capacity, right? It's like we can't really know each other. We can't, as close as we can become and as much as we can value each other, we can't be each other or see as each other, right? And so like there is this point where it's like you have to let let people go or you have to um, you have to understand that there is a limit to what you can do for people. And it's like, especially as it's rendered here, it's so human and it's so... Um, heartbreaking right because it's like you watch Dursu Uzala getting older and you know how it's going to end and it's like we've all experienced that right it's like if only I could help with this if only there was something I could do right for like grandparents or parents or um, friends or, or whatever but it's like because of who I am and my position and because of who they are there can be no um, productive exchange that will hmm. help solve this problem right i can identify it i can see it i can see what what's happening but there's absolutely nothing i can do about it and like that is like as fundamentally a human understanding as all of the other communicative sort of um integration from the first part of this movie so it's it's like the fact that this this movie illustrates both and it illustrates them side by side so that you can get an understanding of sort of the whole full breadth of what that means is like really really something in my mind well it's tied into uh uh one thing that i was i I just kind of thought of um after i'd said the bit about uh you know um uh, your, your physical body failing and your age and how that will impact people who rely uh, on, you know, uh, the, their body in order to survive. Um, I think that, that that's like tied in in a way that I didn't really realize until I was thinking about it, but it's tied into his, his own uh, uh, loss in his past around his family, right? Like he, he has, there's that scene early on in the film after you learn uh, that his family has all passed away uh, where he says that he's been having like nightmares or dreams, right? And specifically, the nightmare is around his inability uh, to like provide for them, right? Like he dreams that like he he can't he can't like 
keep together the house that keeps them warm or he can't go out and hunt um, and and uh, provide, you know, food for them uh, in this dream. And it's like it's like very symbolically and like thematically tied together with what happens to him at the, at the end of his own life. Right. Like it's like his way of life is like so based in this and it is like completely incompatible, incompatible, uh, not just with like, you know, uh, 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 the society um, that Arseniev comes from, but like it's also incompatible with, with just like growing old and in, in his, you know, culture. Right. I mean, it's like th- th- this, again, there was like a, an end of this road that is kind of there for all of us. And it's like, it is tragic to see that, you know, uh, a person who I think we, we all grow to like, like so much over the course of this film, like pretty obviously like head headed down that road. And like the, the aspect of his past just kind of makes it even more um, tragic. I think. Well, this is all really tying like everything that Harry said and what you just brought up are tying together uh, an understanding that I didn't have either. And it's that scenes like the, you know, their introduction to the Chinese man in the forest and his, uh, you know, continuing degrad, like all this investment that they make in the concepts and philosophies of the first half of the movie set up so perfectly. Dersu Uzala's own, like his, like you said, Aaron, his like failing body is that he's just so like, he has been so in touch with nature. He's been very in touch with like uh, the survivalist hunter gatherer lifestyle for presumably his entire life. And then suddenly when he like, he cannot accept, like he breaks down when he realizes that his own faculties aren't serving him anymore, that like he has relied on these for so long that he can't he can't live without them, right? That he has, that he panics. And I think literally in that panic decides to accept the soldier's offer to like house him or else he probably wouldn't have otherwise. Like if he knew that he wouldn't have, or excuse me, if he thought that he had a chance in the wilderness uh, at his age, he would not have accepted. He wouldn't have tried to live in a town because he knew that it was incompatible. Um, Yeah. That's just, just the way that you guys are phrasing. This is uh, adding it up for me. Well, and it, it ties so closely into his spirituality as well, right? Like he literally f- refers to Kanga, which is or Kanga, which is the spirit of the forest. And there is this sense in which, like, his continuing to live in the forest in which his family lived, it's like it's both his homage or his sort of like living memorial to them and to his entire sort of way of life, broadly speaking, right? It's that like as he lives and as he exists in this world, he is sort of like symbolically like a living testament to what was right and it's like as long as i'm alive i am preserving these things and i am a part of these things and i am here to sort of like imbue this world with the personification that um he talks about right and it's like so when he can no longer do that as all people are no longer always able to um he he sees it as sort of like he says kanga itself is rejecting him right? It's like, it's time. It's over for you. Like you can no longer be a part of this world. And that is like, it's this, this fundamental, terrible, like loss for him. Right. Because it's like, it's like, he finally has to say goodbye to his family again. Right. It's, it's like, I can no longer sort of do the, the holy work that I was doing to sort of like maintain this thing and, and to remember this thing and to imbue this thing with, with life. Um, and I like, again, to sort of like allegorically or metaphorically, that is something that is so fundamental to the human experience, right? Because it's like our window for self-determination on our own terms is so limited, 
right? It's like no matter who you are or who you want to be or what you think you're doing, like you'll have it for a time, probably, and then you won't, you know? And then you like your life will be about looking back or looking forward and thinking about that. And um just to to see that rendered so so perfectly and to like be given this understanding of it through the visuals is really um was really profound for me. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about next is like the mechanisms by which it it actually does portray those things. Um I talked in uh, at least one of our previous Kurosawa episodes about like the way that he tends to, and I'm assuming this is him and his team, but like his movies have this common thread I've noticed of like, uh, it's essentially the staging, but like there's probably a better term for it, blocking and and layering of like what, what is where in the shot in terms of the depth of the shot. Um, you see a lot of it in, uh, Yojimbo. There's a couple of really cool shots. Um, there's uh there's the fact that there's always something going on at most like levels of focus from the viewer from the screen um and in this movie i think it's got uh there are at least a couple examples of that where it becomes like mechanically important to the story and it's let's see both of them happen after uh dersu uzala's like his recognition that like his body is failing basically um the first one that i noticed was when he uses his glove as target practice and instead of breaking shot instead of using like deep focus or anything like that or shallow focus or anything like that we just have one camera angle where dersu uzala is in the background sort of pointing at us and at the glove and he sequentially moves closer and closer as he realizes he can't see the glove, uh, that he can't like make out the shot before shooting. And he just gets closer and closer. And each time he does, it, it's a little heartbreaking because like he's coming to the same realization we had two minutes ago when he first couldn't hit the deer, when he first was asking the captain why he couldn't see the deer. It's like he, he can't do it. He, his body's not letting him do this anymore. But the film makes that part of what you're seeing. It makes it like it forces you to realize this visually and have a visual referent for what this character is going through is the desperation of having to get closer and closer to the camera before he can see something. Um, the other one is where it, it doesn't uh, feature that heavily from a mechanical level or from like a storytelling level. But um, when the captain in his own home, he realizes that he can't keep Dursu Uzala there any longer. He's decided that he wants to go back to the wilderness. So he heads up the stairs to go grab his brand new rifle. And the camera again, doesn't break. You just see the captain's family and Dursu Uzala just standing there kind of looking sullen. And the captain walks back down the stairs. And the first thing you see are his boots. Next thing you see is the gun in his hand. And there's a, for me, there was a little moment of like, shit, <laughs> is he, is he like putting the dog down kind of thing? Like, Oh, you're not long for this world. He's gone. But of course, you know, they, they're friends, but that, that immediate flash of it is like, what, what is happening in this scene? But you have to pay attention to what's going on in the scene because there's a wall and there's a doorway and you can't see the whole character. Just a lot of like, uh, you know, light boxing going on where you can't really, where what you're supposed to be focusing on isn't clear from just staring at what's most in focus, what's most apparent. And I wonder if any of those like mechanical moments, any of that filmmaking style, any of the shots shooting, like what stuck out and did it, was it marrying with the uh, like thematical through line of the movie? Uh, was it just like neat to see? I mean, obviously yes to that last one, but how did it, how did those pieces uh, sort of crunch against each other? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. And the, I think that this movie does a lot of techniques to get you there, right? And and they're all interacting in this way that, that it's supposed to sort of bring you into this mentality and understanding. Um, the big one I really liked is sort of like 
I, I joked earlier, but this is really like Kurosawa's slow cinema movie in a lot of ways where like um, it, it uses this almost literary device where it like reminds me of something like Moby Dick or something where like there are no cuts when they're doing like manual labor or sort of like um, mundane. I mean, like I'm thinking about in the in the tundra sequence on the lake when they're cutting grass to... Um, to create a shelter for themselves to survive. I mean, I'm sure that there are cuts, um, but like you watch them basically create that entire uh, like pile. It's like you're, you're watching Dursu and the captain like cut grass manually until they're too tired to keep cutting um, in, in real time. Right. And like, there are so many examples of that, of just like scenes where they're, they're building something or, or they're doing some work or they're walking in the forest where like, we are committed to watching this happen. And it's going to happen in near real time with as few breaks as possible. And it's like that it it's so effective for just like, again, without saying anything, without speaking it into existence, like you just watch the captain and Dursu doing this work together with one another and, and picking each other up when they get tired or prompting each other to keep going. And it's like, oh, like this is what this is what a bond is like, this is them building a bond or like, this is what it feels like. Right. It's like, there's something that's so essential about showing all of that, even though it's sort of like in a, in a traditional sense, like you would want cuts, right? Like I could see another movie where it's like, we have to cut the grass and then there's like three shots of cutting grass and then the, the bale is created or whatever. Right. It's like, I think it's really important that that never, that doesn't happen. Um, because that's not the kind of movie this is. This is not, that's not the kind of environment that these people live in. Totally. And I really like the, the shot examples, um, you brought up Jason in particular, you describing those, um, not just the ones from Dersu Uzala, but like, uh, like comparing those to other, uh, Kurosawa works, like really helped me just like draw the line between a and b just like oh yeah like he kurosawa does this shit all the time and it rules um the i I guess like slightly different from like with regards to um like kurosawa always and as both of you um uh, articulated like um, very consciously like putting specific actions and like visuals into into like every frame and like it's very purposeful and like we're uh, not like vi- like too visually dense, but just like there's a purpose to all of this. And like, I was really struck by the beginning of this movie, actually. And just like what's what was almost like a visual calibration for like the the rest of our time in the forest. There's one um, and I'll, I'll like I'll try and describe these the, as best I can. But like the camera is essentially like a ground level. I don't think we're seeing any soldiers faces. I could be wrong, but it's like essentially like leaves and trees and just like foliage in general on like both the right and left side of the frame and then like a path in the middle and you like all these leaves sticking out and like as the um as the you know the group they as they walk forward you can maybe see them brush against leaves or just like the focus is the same between like a leaf back here and like this person's leg and just like oh like like that's like i'm understanding the depth of field a little bit better now with each passing moment um and just like we're exploring the depths of the frame and then it's I think it's the next shot. It, the camera is higher up, like almost as if like someone was in a, a, a crane or something. And we're looking down at like the same line of people just like walking from back to front, just like, okay, now we're going to see the land. You know, there are no trees here, but like, we're going to see the land from this perspective. And it just like, I, I know we talk about this every so often. I don't think it was quite 
as vivid of an example as like the camera is training us to see this land and these people in a certain way. Um, but like, I don't know. Also, I don't know that it's not necessarily that um, just like getting trained, just like, okay, these are like <laughs> uh, shots of the forest 101. Just like, all right, look at this. Look at these people walking. Look at these people walking. Great. Now you're ready for the rest of the movie. It's just like kind of how, like a, like a little primer. Um, I don't know. It was really nice. And again, like felt very purposeful, like seeing, seeing the focus change with, from people walking from back to front. Just like uh, Kurosawa, you son of a gun, you've done it again. You've tickled my retinas. Tickled my retinas? We'll go with that. Yuck. Uh, you mean Audition by Takashi Miike? Yeah. <laughs> Tickled retinas. Wow, I gotta watch that. I'll add no? that to my watch list no. next. I apologize for doing something close to spoiling any part of that. Um, I <laughs> wanted to open up the floor to final thoughts, unless there was any other discussion points we wanted to get into. Uh, anything that we should that we should clear off our plates before we talk about the little fun nitty gritties? Um, yeah, I really, I really... Oh, I'm sorry, Aaron, go ahead. Uh, my point is almost certainly going to be worse than your point. So why don't you go ahead? Oh, I was just going to say, like, speaking of training, and I, I agree with, um, what Cody had said, but like, there are so many shots of these characters just perfectly in part of their environment, right? Like they're not in focus any more or less than the trees or than, uh, the stream or the, the nature around them. Like Cody, you had said, I really love that. And I really love how this movie uses particularly transitions to that effect as well. Right. We're like, it opens in this like stunning autumnal scene in fall, but we see all of the seasons eventually. And we see the particularities of every season, right? Like we hear the insects of summer. We see the sort of like rain and the dew and the growing of spring and the early spring sunlight. Um, we see the, the leaves and the colors of fall. And we even like, there are scenes in winter where like we will just see the winter forest without any people in it and just listen to, uh, snow falling off of branches, right? And you can hear the snow drop down and, and hear what it sounds like when it hits the ground. It's like all of that is so important to like putting us in this place, right? Like in, equally and sort of like in complement to the way that Kurosawa puts these men in this place, right? By By the framing choices that he uses and the focus choices that he uses and the sort of like long distance shots that he applies, all of it works so well together to sort of like Again, like Cody had said, train us into this understanding of the environment that we're a part of. Oh, well, I thought Aaron was going to come up with his shitty, terrible, very bad point. <laughs> it's it's just uh, I was just kind of thinking like how how like the the skill of of Dursu and like his his ability to to, as we mentioned earlier, kind of Sherlock Holmes's way through the forest is like. Very, very well done here, considering how silly it is, silly it is, and like every other kind of like I don't know if you, you guys read any like James Fenimore Cooper, like high school, just the most dog shit uh, stuff ever about people like sending an arrow and hitting a nail two hundred feet away, you know, like that kind of stuff, like just how dog shit that is and like the fact that it like works in this movie and the character is like very endearing and lovable and you like i would take a bullet for this man no question oh yeah like yeah i would absolutely if i would if i would have been there at the end when he was trying to get robbed i would have i would have fucked that guy up for sure um <laughs> it would have gone different i'm it just saying gone different uh it's, it's look it's a stupid point i just thought about it i'm semi-sleep deprived forgive that me. sounds that sounds like a great uh final thought though and it leads me to mine one of mine which is holy shit that photo montage 
from Autumn in the second half. Fuck yeah, man. What a goddamn good dude bit. rock like, situation. Yeah. Oh my God. Also, it remi- like I think about that as like the lighted hearted moment that is actually kind of like really sad in retrospect is when the one of his soldiers puts like a stick up behind his hat and tries to cheer up Dirsu Uzala after he's shot at the tiger and is pretty convinced that the world has cursed him. And he like pokes it up like a little uh, toy soldier man. And he's like, hey, Dirsu Uzala, good evening. And he just does not react, just blank. And he just puts his head down and walks off like like george michael oh my god it's it's so many moments of pathos in this movie that just creep up on you very quickly Um, or like like when uh when he's feeling irritable after that happens and like he he just like will go off on them about like taking down the ginseng sign mm -hmm. or something where it's like you didn't even know and endorse who's like now people are going to go looking in this forest for ginseng for no reason you're bad peoples it's like if dursu usala ever called me bad peoples i would end it right there on the spot (laughs) it's like please man you can't it's like i didn't know i'm so sorry it's like you really feel the fact that it's like if man i it's brutal. It's a, yeah, when he goes into ticked off roommate mode, just like one of the soldiers put a dish <laughs> in the sink. It's just like, you're not going to wash that first? Somebody tomorrow is going to have to wash that with all of their shit. You're a bad person. And then like <laughs> slams his door. Oh, you mean me? Um, the <gasps> other... Uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the other thing that I want to mention is that the frozen lake is like... I, I really love that scene because like we've been talking about how lush and great and introductory the first part of the movie is in that scene is when they're like the first time that either of them is genuinely afraid of something. And it is telling that Dursu is always also afraid. And it's literally because there's nothing like Harry said, there's like that great silence that is commented on and then portrayed. There's just nothing. It is a standout moment of the movie because that nothing turns into like, well, within the absence of any environment or surroundings or things to react to, we must just go personally insane on all of this brush and make this gigantic pile where we're going to survive for a little while. It's just like, it's a, it's a, it, it's an exact, like, I imagine that as a filmmaker, that's one of the t- tools you're working with is like when, in the absence of everything else, what do you do with just two people in the middle of a frozen lake with nothing? What, what sort of situation would you put them in to keep the tension going? And it really does mechanically. Like I said, with the camera going crazy, uh, with the sound design happening and the sort of like the panicked uh, score going on, Really fucking love that scene. That's that's going to be my final of my final thoughts. Does anybody else have any more before we empty the tank? Okay, I'm seeing one head shaking. No, I feel bad because we talked mostly about the wilderness when this is the only part of the movie that Aaron could not jive with. <laughs> Look, it's just, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a city boy myself. I'm a, I mean, know, what I would I, what say, can I, say? I guess I am. A I, I brought this up before, but like, I think the, the photography is a really good example of like, this movie is so much more nuanced and so much more generous than just sort of the like, ah, yeah, fuck civilization, fuck modernity. Yeah. It's taking away what it means to be a human because it's like that photo session was great. And it's like, there are great things that civilization allows us to accomplish. Right. And like, there's nothing wrong with living that way. And it, it has undeniable benefits if you can. And it's like, I really like that. It's like this movie at no point is like disparaging to the captain there. Whereas like, I don't know, it's like in, in this sort of like, like guy comes from outside to learn the ways there, there are so many ways to get that wrong, right? Like you can, you can sort of like um, objectify Dursu Uzala and make him sort of like this, this noble savage quote unquote, right. As so many uh, works do, or you can, you can sort of like, it's just like, it's such a needle to thread, 
right? And and uh, Kurosawa makes it look effortless just by like focusing so hard on the fact that all of these people are are people, right? And like on their relationships and and their fundamental inane human qualities, and it's it's really really um, astounding. Beautiful movie. Uh, check it out anytime you can. I believe it's rentable through a few places. Do not get the dub version. Uh, that apparently is a real stinker of a version. Uh, if you ever get the chance to see it on 35 millimeter, go ahead and do that. It sounds like it is well worth it. But however you can uh, indeed see this movie, whether you know Kurosawa or not, I will say uh, I was talking to Seth, my roommate uh, and former guest on this podcast, um, and he was asking if it was a movie which would mean a whole lot if you haven't seen other Kurosawa. He has, but like in a limited respect. And I, I still think so. I think definitely your experience is enriched knowing his proclivities and what kind of person he was. But uh, but if you haven't, um, I can't believe that you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Harry, would you please help me uh, ring in the final segment of our show? I would be delighted, Jason. Thank you. It is the segment we like to call <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties. Wow. Thank you, fellas, for that heartwarming introduction. Uh, we're going to get into some trilibs today. And for those unfamiliar, trilibs is our attempt at reimagining, recreating the world famous game known as Mad Libs, where you take a, a story. And with some friends or loved ones, or both, uh, fill in the blanks. And the people who are filling in the blanks don't know what uh, narrative beats those are translating to. So by the end of it, you have uh, a whimsical, nonsensical, random, zany adventure. Are you explaining to... the concept of Mad Libs? <laughs> so you what I've been here in the same... In the <laughs> s- not everybody knows. I do this every what? time. What do you... <laughs> Uh, Mad Libs, copyright, and actually, f- fun fact, it was founded in the, no, um, what I've done here is I've, I've written up a little story, uh, much like Mad Libs, but this is Tri-Libs, in case anybody's forgotten during this long introduction. Uh, uh, the fellas here are going to take turns filling in the blanks. Um, the story was somewhat inspired by the movie that we all saw and just finished talking about. So in the randomly uh, pre-selected order before this recording of Aaron, then Jason, then Harry, and then so on and so forth in a loop until we fill all the blanks in. I will ask uh, for various parts of speech, starting with Aaron. And from Aaron, could I please get from you a name? Um, uh, let's go. Dare Sue. Interesting. Now, while I fill that I in, don't, I, no, I don't blame you. Where, where, Harry's giving me a look. I, now I feel, look, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, Steve. How about Steve? Fuck Steve. it. We'll go Steve. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you for the origin story behind Dersu. Um, Steve, I think is pretty well, self-explanatory, yeah. so I will not, uh, I will not pry further. Um, we'll get Steve populated amongst all the appropriate blanks. Um, maybe it'll fill in more than one blank. Who knows? Uh, but I will move on to Jason. From Jason, I will need a uh, a military rank or title, if you please. Colonel. No promises that I will remember to pronounce it in that way, um, mm. but uh, you said it um, in that way. Maybe I'll just li- let that live as a, a beautiful one-off. Um, uh, Harry, on to you next. Uh, I didn't have a cute segue. Uh, Harry, from you, I need a verb, please. Slashed. Ooh. Um, Sandro- Steve, I was, was going to go with Sanduro for that first one, so <laughs> it was still existing in my head, yeah. 
Mm, Sanjuro, uh, the better of the two, right? Or at least on even keel with Yojimbo. Uh, go back and listen to those episodes to find out if I'm yanking your chain or not. Um, I am. Uh, back to Aaron. Uh, could I please get a noun? Uh, yeah. Um, flagpole. Okay, fascinating. Um, Why is Harry look everything I do? Look at this audio, audio. You know, I didn't, I didn't see his expression. Was he giving you an inquisitive podcast. look? He's you giving are... me an expression. Everybody listening, he's giving me. Yeah, he's got a stink face on for everything. Every part of speech I've given so far, I'm not happy about it. Well, I, I think he's just upset that you're not defaulting to what you did for that stretch where you just did gun stuff for all. <laughs> I didn't of the want to do gun because there's a I, sensitive bit around the gun in the movie. Okay, I so definitely, definitely thought you were going to do gun stuff. <laughs> no, of course not. Flagpole. Uh, Aaron, I need a uh, gun. Ah, you know, it's man. even worse than gun culture. It's nationalism, folks. It's something even more dangerous. Whoa, is that your next noun? Whoa, Ooh. holy shit, guys! Lots to think about. Yay, verily. Um, Jason, over to you for an adjective, please. Wet. Mmm. Delicious. Uh, Harry, an animal, if you could, please. Oh, uh, platypus. Steve the wet animal. Platypus slasher. Hmm. Uh, Sorry, that's Colonel Steve the wet platypus? Thank you. Colonel Steve. Oh, mercy. Um, we're almost done. No, far from it. So uh, pace yourselves, gents. Uh, we've got, oh, where are we at now? Back to Aaron. Aaron, could I get an ex- uh, exclamation, excuse me, from you, please? How about uh, Gadzooks? Now Harry's nodding. Yeah, okay, I get the thumbs a, up now. A very yeah. good one, yeah. Gadzooks, please. Is that a gun thing? You don't have to answer that. Uh, Jason, uh, could I please, ooh. Okay, so can I please get from you the name of a previous Trilove guest? Oh, uh, we just saw her this weekend, so Sarah C.M.B. Huskin. Sarah. I'm doing this. Why am I typing with one hand? That is my downfall. Perfect. Typing, typing, typing. Um, shout out to Sarah. It's great to see her. Um, moving right along here. We've got... Aaron and the type of, or no, it's not Aaron. It's Harry. I misread my order and I am all out of sorts. Could I please get from you, Harry, a, a job or occupation? Glass blower. Have we done that one before? Wait, have we? I don't, I don't know. If we have, I'm going to do a different one. No, do, I don't do, think we have. Yeah. For, first one's the best one, but, but Harry, yeah. you should get on TikTok. There's a real big glass blowing community on TikTok. Oh, that sounds very cool. It is cool. Yeah, remember, man, remember in the group chat, Harry was mentioned, it was like, oh, that's a great TikTok. And Jason and I gave each other the eyes. It's like, Harry doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, uh, this episode has been brought to you by TikTok, the app. Um, you can download it if you want. Uh, back to Aaron for a noun. Um, uh, gun. Yes. Now we're talking. Return of the King. Over to Jason. And from Jason, I need another noun. Um, booty. Beautiful. Um, over to Harry 
Could I please get from you, Harry, a type of food? Big pretzel. (laughs) (laughs) And here in this corner, we have big pretzel. Um, And in this other corner, we have Aaron, who is about to provide a type of weather event. Uh, Monsoon, please, Cody. I'll take monsoon. I'm sorry, the answer we were looking for was gun. No, Monsoon is a very good one. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, over to Jason. Um, yeah, uh, I'm questioning my phrasing. I, I, I'm looking for, uh, can you give us an object? I don't know why I didn't just say noun, but specifically an object. An object. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> uh, candelabra. That it judges. You know what? Just that trying counts. to see as object. many parts of the world as I can. Yeah. Um, leave it to Colonel Daphnis, um, the, the worldly perspective. Uh, Harry, could I get from you a, uh, you know, give, give us a, a type of wild animal other than yourself. <laughs> uh, let's go with a sun bear. A sun bear? Are they the ones with the yep. weird eyes? Sun bears. Uh, maybe. Okay. They, and the really they have long like tongues? Crests. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do have really long tongues. Okay. Yeah. Can we? Oh, did we just oh, lose no. Cody? What happened? Oh my god! <laughs> That's never happened before. Cody's gone. I hate taking this. down the timestamp. Not comfortable. What are we supposed to do? The big we're sun bear got rudderless in a big yeah, old sea. Lost. You understand? This is horrible. I hate this. <laughs> this is I terrible. Like I, I, all, folks, I'm taking over Cody's noties. Guess what? It's a trivia oh, section. Aaron shit. always wins. <laughs> I was about to say. You guys always lose. I think Cody. he's back. Oh hey, oh hey, Cody didn't see you back. What the, the fuck? Just... You go. <laughs> I don't know. My I look like my internet looks okay. It was just all of a sudden on the screen. It was like, hey, something went wrong with this page, and it gave me the reload button. Like, if you can, please Cody, never let that t- happen again because that was absolutely terrifying. In the middle Most of frightening Cody's thing movie, that's ever happened I, to any of us. Yeah, what did I look like? What I was Aaron, supposed to do. Aaron threatened to to switch it to a trivia game that only he could win. Um, it was. I mean, that's most trivia era. games we play as part of Cody's noties. Shut the but... fuck up. Um, well, I no, thought, it, well, it just said you were yeah. offline, gave you a red button, and then your line disappeared. So that was really that, weird. Yeah, hopefully it's all Every, everything else. Yeah, I mean, everything else looks okay. It was just I got the what the box with the X's in the eyes, and it was like, oops, we can't display this. I thought for a second, I thought I, I thought Thanos snapped his fingers. You guys, this yeah, episode we already... has been brought to you by Disney Plus. We were already three questions into Try Gibbs, the Freddie Gibbs trivia <laughs> segment. Oh, we wow. Absolutely I would win that one. Uh, I would yeah, win that yeah, one. Yeah, pretty uh, handily, I would imagine. Uh, nothing. Uh, we'll keep rolling here. Um, uh, I guess, uh, Jason, do I have to be scared about my files at all? We, this has happened before, I have no right? We've been okay? I, not exactly this, but yeah, I think okay. we should be okay if we just soldier on. All right, and soldier on, we will. Um, I've got Sunbear winking me in the face in this uh, Word document, um, and everybody knows that is Harry's go-to. Um, so we will mosey on over. I'm, I'm jogging my memory. We're back to Aaron. And Aaron, wow, lo and behold, Aaron, from you, I need another exclamation. Well, how many exclamations can there uh, how about How about, uh, how about, uh, Capitan! Now, interesting. There now, uh, now, where where would you get such an inspired exclamation? No, just uh, that's uh, man. 
man, man, the, the theater had a mix of um, like laughs and like nobody cheered, but the like laughs and awes in like equal parts. It was very magical. It's like, there's Boo, Capitan. Uh, this is, we're about, we're not halfway through. We'll, we're over halfway through. Oh, we're almost done. Um, back to Jason for an adjective, please. Um, bland. Nice. Um, that's another adjective. Harry, from you, could I please get the name of a different previous Try Love guest? Oh, uh, let's go with Nick Grossman. I think he is the most named uh, guest during during the Trilibs, despite the fact that he was on an episode way back when, just once. But you know, he's a lot, he, he leaves an impression. Get him on again. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Seven Samurai. Oh, he could have been on this episode. Oh, well, someday. Uh, Harry said Nick Grossman in the same cadence as Big Pretzel, so I assume the two are facing off against each other in a cage match. So I guess whoever the winner is, we can get the winner on the episode. Um, stay tuned for that pay-per-view event. Uh, and stay tuned for Aaron, who's going to give us a type of plant. Um... Do you, have, do you have the drop? Jason? You have one shot. I do, do not. Ha- I do don't not. have it. I, I, well, I guess I'll, I'll dwarf lemon tree. <gasps> is that what you want? Is yes, that what you is. want from me? <laughs> Guns and dwarf lemon trees? Well, I accidentally Pickles. phrased it as Aaron's going to give us a plant, and then my brain defaulted to uh, to marijuana, um, but dwarf lemon tree would also <gasps> be... Uh, um, I already etched it in stone, so dwarf lemon tree is what we're going with. Very worthwhile plant. Um, and Jason is a very worthwhile provider of the name of a city. Minnetonka. <laughs> Man, uh, shout out to the most underwhelming city. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, we've got our last one here. It belongs to Harry. And you know it, you love it. Harry, hit us with a noun. No, I'm just kidding. Hit us with the name of a movie. Burn After Reading. Ooh, saucy. All right. I believe in a thing called love. And I believe that we've gotten to all of the blanks in this little uh, tri-libs scenario. Thank you for your participation, uh, both Thank you for tuning into both parts of my uh, my collection. Uh, without further ado, here I present to you all Trilib's Homies Adventure. <clears throat> Steve was a colonel overseeing an expedition. Their objective was to slash all of the flagpoles in the entire forest. No small feat, but their crew would surely make wet work of it. One evening, as they were cooking up some platypus over a campfire, they heard a noise in the distance. Soon, a figure approached. Gadzooks! They shouted. It was Sarah Siembe Huskin, a, a seasoned hunter and occasional glassblower. Uh, in exchange for a gun and some booty, Sarah agreed to lead the group through the woods. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, Sarah showed the group how to properly preserve the forest and taught them to leave behind some big pretzels for any future travelers. 
One time, uh, Steve and Sarah got lost in a monsoon and had to make a shelter out of candelabras in in order to survive. There were a number of uh, encounters with sun bears, and Sarah was always able to fend them off by shouting things like, Capitan! On one occasion, their group found themselves on the tail of some bland bandits. That worked out nicely. Uh, Luckily, Sarah was able to call on their friend Nick Grossman to teach them a lesson. Um, doing punches on camera here. Uh, At one point, Steve and their crew thought they had lost Sarah for good on a river, but luckily they were able to chop down a dwarf lemon tree and bring them safely to shore. At last, their expedition had come to an end and it was time to say farewell. Steve embraced Sarah and told them that they'd always be welcome at their home back in Minnetonka. There they would find a warm bed, plenty to eat, and a television with burn after reading playing on a loop. They each went their separate ways confident that they would see each other again someday the end woo woo great job Cody. Uh, i can't believe nice that homie's journey it was yeah nice if we had just reversed the two adjectives we almost got the wet bandits from home alone in this I know. Uh, so uh, tantalizingly close i also object to your uh slight impersonation of aaron and yet not even an attempt at your aaron or your nick grossman uh, I feel like we should have really reversed those. Like you should always go in hard on the Nick impression. And like the Aaron one is up for grabs. If you want it. Listen here, motherfucker. There you Wait, go. Oh, who let Nick into, I've into... heard somebody doing an impression of me. I don't know. What does that sound like? Nick, we have, we, no one who's listening to this knows what I'm talking about, tree. but we have the very, uh, I mean, that's just a clip. That, like it's say something word. else oh, in my voice. Uh, you know? Not a, I'm not really not a nature guy. Not not, not, not really not, much of a wilderness that guy. Your impression of me? That's what I sound like. I don't sound like that. Do I sound like that? Outer Wilds. You got you got to play. It's the best game of the last ten years. It's one, oh, come on. One of them. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, Cody's. I see. Okay, Cody, you're gonna do an impression, right? Cody, can I? Uh, can I hear your impression of me just off yeah. the top of your head? Well, here's here's here would be my impression of of one Aaron Grossman. Okay, let's hear. It. Dwarf lemon tree. Oh my oh, god! That's perfect. That, that is bizarre. Very, yeah. very good. It's oh, like wow, I was actually that. saying that. That's amazing. Nice job, Cody. Well, there you go. Cody, you win. Thanks, Anodis. You really do win, yeah. Anodis. Uh, but in a way, we're all winners because we get to play games with our friends after talking about movies, uh, which we've just done on this episode of Try Love. Uh, we just covered Dursu Uzala. We'll be covering the other films in the late Kurosawa series, playing at the Trilon. Find tickets to that at the show notes in uh, well for this episode, and go to trilon.org to see what else they're playing. A bunch of other cool series playing over the next few months. Links to everything in the show notes uh but until then uh find me at on twitter at nintendoofus or at the trilon sometimes um if you go be careful wear a mask do all your stuff you got to show a negative test or be fully vaccinated uh and just don't don't be a shithead um i i'm the others are much better at doing plugs and things uh than i am at the end so i'll let them do that but i'm jason thank you for listening good uh bye Uh, good plug IMO I'll just tie off that th- I, I think don't be a shithead is an amazing plug maybe the best one there is um, one other Trilon screening noty that I uh, neglected to mention or maybe I saved it for last you be the judge um, uh, the person next to me said to um, their partner and I quote this has to be the busiest theater in all of Minnesota uh, sitting in, in the full theater Whoa. watching uh, Dersu Uzala which very cool sentiment uh, regardless of whether or not that's true, um, I hope that would be the case, um, whether it's now in harder times or in the future when times will 
hopefully be better. We will see. Um, maybe we'll meet those good times again someday. Uh, I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Hey, yeah, just one more plug. Um, this is coming up, I guess. I, I think it's at um, either... Wait, is it the beginning of March, I believe? Yeah, March 3rd. Uh, John put together a 16-millimeter uh, experimental animation showcase um, with some a lot of Czech uh, animation and a couple of other shorts. Um, it's really awesome. We got the chance to go see it early. We talked to him about it. Um, we'll be putting that out eventually for you to hear. But um, I think it's the start of like a semi-regular series John wants to put together. Um, he worked on it really hard. It's really awesome. Um, so if you get the chance, uh, I would really, really recommend going to see that. The shorts are really amazing and, and the sort of like um, the process behind how he how he received those um, is really something as well. So um, you can do that. You can check out the rest of the Kurosawa movies as we are going to. Um, and we will hopefully see you uh, soon. Um, thanks for listening. Dos Vidania, etc. I've been Harry Mack and you can find me on Twitter at Harry. And I've been Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. All you do is talk and talk. There. Now, talk some more. <laughs>